Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Welcome to History Makers TV. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I'm really excited about October 28th to 30th, our History Makers Experience Training. You've been hearing all about it last week. <laughs> if you didn't see the interview time with Philip Isaacs and myself, man, we told the truth about what God is doing through this fantastic training. So you can find that on Go Live or on our YouTube channel, History Makers TV. You'll be able to see it there and go back and watch it and, and see what goes on in this training, why it's changing lives the way that it is. So welcome to today's broadcast, wherever you're watching from. If you're watching from History Makers TV on YouTube, click like and subscribe. You'll be glad you did. There's tremendous content on there. I want to talk to you today for the next few moments on the subject of how to create something from nothing. <laughs> How to create something from nothing. Now, I know a lot of you send comments or you, you write a message to me and to our ministry really thankful for what you're hearing in these sessions. And so we don't want to disappoint today. I want to give you something that's very practical that begins with a revelation of where do things come from? You know, when we think of King Solomon, the wise uh, King Solomon, or we think of the, the Proverbs, and the wise king would say, I've seen something under the sun. That is poetic language to describe things that take place in the realm of man, in the realm of mankind, in this dimension. That is also to say that there's a realm that's above the sun. For, for lack of a better term, which would describe the spiritual dimension, the spirit realm. And we know that the things of the spirit are invisible generally to this earthly dimension. Where is God? It says God dwells in unapproachable light. <laughs> God is spirit, the Bible says, and he exists literally in another dimension. And he is constantly trying to invade this dimension in our lives, this tangible world. But I have to say, I just love how he has set up the universe and the world. And, and you may not be tracking with me yet, but you will be as, as we get into this today. But did you know that the things, you know, when Jesus prayed... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that God wants built and established in the earth realm, by which we are to be catalysts and creators of, those things have an origin in the spirit realm. Isn't that amazing? The Bible talks about even our destiny and our lives and our days are already mapped out in a heavenly book, in heavenly places, and we're to live and walk out his perfect will in this dimension. That's pretty cool. But the Bible also says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So we understand that 
building and doing things in the earth dimension is actually a partnership between God and man, a profound partnership. Oftentimes we're looking and we even pray prayers as though we're trying to pull God down. We're trying to get God to come down to this dimension and do for us what he's asked us to do in this dimension. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, that's, that's enough to meditate on right there. But we're, we're begging God to come down and make breakfast for us. And God says, no, I don't want you to be helpless children. I want you to be mature sons and daughters. I want you to make your own breakfast. I, wanna, I want you to take dominion over the earth. This is exactly what he did in Genesis we understand the Garden of Eden was a concentrated heavenly environment, okay? They've never actually found the geographical location of the Garden of Eden, and that's fascinating. But I believe it was a concentrated realm of glory, like an open portal between heaven and earth, where the perfection of God's glory and his kingdom dwelt, and when you study that word garden or you, you look into the original language, you find out that it's really describing a doorway, literally like an op open portal, a doorway, okay? And we see that thread of a doorway between heaven and earth all through the Bible, since Genesis through Jacob's ladder to Jesus to us, we understand that we are walking portals of the glory of God were to carry his kingdom into the, into all the earth. So when God made the earth, it's sort of like he took a prototype of heaven that's invisible and he put it in the garden and made it visible. Then he took a prototype of himself and he is invisible spirit in that dimension and he put us man in the garden visible. So we have two dimensions and one is mirroring the other one. I hope this isn't too much for our viewers today. I didn't want to go too deep, but, but let me show you what God did. And before I do, I want to introduce to you the term conversion. Now, the word conversion, when you think of the word conversion, you probably think about somebody who has changed religions. Somebody who was Muslim and has converted to Christianity. Somebody who was atheist and has made their conversion. You think of it as the salvation experience. And that's actually true, but conversion is not actually a religious term. Conversion is really, I'll, I'll give you a definition for it. Conversion is actually the changing of something from one form to another, or the shifting or transforming of something from one form to another. When you understand what conversion actually is, you as a believer, as a Christian, should be looking to convert things from one form to another on a regular basis. And I'll go there in a minute. But again, another example of conversion would be when ice melts. Ice converts to water. When uh, you have a conversion rate, when it comes to money, you can convert your money from... U.S. dollars to Canadian dollars. I always love converting U.S. dollars to Canadian because we get a better rate with that conversion. When I would travel to other countries and I wanted to shave my face, I would bring 
an electric shaver. In fact, my wife and I, when we were coming back from the Philippines, we brought back an electric shaver that in the Philippines, when you'd plug it into the wall, it could handle the power that was flowing. But when we brought it to Canada, you had to put it in a converter. There had to be a converter, a mediator between the, the power source and that particular shaver for it to function properly, for there to be proper conversion. This is what conversion is. I want you to begin to uh, understand what I'm saying today in context of power being converted to function. Power being converted to function. Now, when you go to convert something from God realm, from where God is, you're talking about taking something invisible that's invisible to the earth world and converting it to tangible substance. We do this with ideas, don't we? Somebody at some point had an idea of what this building would look like. <laughs> and he might have tried to describe it to those around him that one day we're going to build this building. It's going to be used for this. But it was really in his or her head. Nobody could see it but them. It was invisible to the public. They could only see it in, in their, their mind's eye until what he saw in his mind was converted to a physical blueprint. So an architect drew plans, mapped out the process. This would go here, this would go there. And we actually have a physical blueprint that you could show to people what originated from somebody's mind where others couldn't see. Then the blueprint is then converted to the tangible building that we're sitting in right now. Everything, everything that you see on this planet in the material world originated from the invisible realm, the thought realm. Whether it was God's thoughts, God's ideas, it all came from there. This is why it's so important as believers that we don't leave the ministry and, and our faith in the realm of the spiritual only. That we don't leave it in the realm of dreams and visions and prayers only, but we actually have the task <laughs> of being heaven's converters where we can convert the invisible thoughts of God we can invert, convert the invisible dreams, the, the vision God has given you. We can convert that to tangible action and substance on earth. That's a hallelujah moment right there, I think. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We see this in the book of Genesis right from the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 is not just about the creative power of God, but it's actually about how God converted his own thoughts, idea, dream, design to tangible substance. You'll notice when you look at how God created the heavens and the earth, it says that he said, he, he made a, a verbal declaration. He said, let there be light. Now this is fascinating because he says, let there be light, but it's not till days later that he actually makes lights like the sun the moon, the stars. So if he wasn't referring to those lights, why at the very beginning did he say, let there be light? In actuality, when God said, let there be light, 
He was using the concept of revelation. Let there be revelation. All throughout the Bible, we see that light is synonymous with revelation. We also see that darkness is synonymous with uh, ignorance. We read scriptures like the Gentiles will see a great light. <laughs> Arise, shine, for your light has come. Light throughout scripture is revelation of God. That's what I, re I really want you to get. Light is revelation of the reality of God. When you got saved, they might have been singing, I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more. You, maybe you don't know that song, but I saw the light. Meaning, the, I understood that I needed Jesus Christ. I had an understanding. I had a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way you can be saved. Well, when God said, let there be light in, in, in the beginning of all things, that triggered his creative process of revealing himself. It was as if God was saying, I am so wonderful. I am so beautiful. My concepts and ideas are so great. It's too great to just hold and keep for the angels in my dimension. I'm going to create another dimension where there's a planet. And I'm going to put people. And I'm going to reveal myself to people. And my ultimate act of love is I'm going to give them a choice to find me to see me, and to love me. They get to choose. <laughs> I just got to stop right there. This is an incredible story. And even if they sin, I will trigger an unfolding revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and my love for man <laughs> over a period of thousands of years. Revelation is the revealing of God. When you are stumbling around in darkness and you stub your toe and you bump into something uh, and you can't see anything, it's not that things are not there, it's just the light hasn't been switched on. So you just don't see what's there all the time. So when you're witnessing to somebody, little side note here, but when you're preaching to somebody, you're trying to help reveal to them what is a reality, but they don't know it because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they may not see. So it's up to you to preach the anointed word so that the Holy Spirit can reveal, let there be light. And what I love about what God did is he said, let there be light. And then he began to create substance. <laughs> let there be a revelation of me. And he created plants that reproduce after their kind. What am I saying? When you see a tree, when you go outside and you look at a beautiful tree, don't think that happened by accident. That was a let there be light moment. The tree even reveals it's a tangible conversion of the invisible artistry of God. <laughs> it's just like walking through a museum and you see a beautiful painting. That painting originated in the invisible dimension of the artist's mind. 
So when you see the painting, you are seeing something that came from the artist's mind. And the conversion of his artistry to a tangible portrait is so beautiful that you want to meet the painter of the portrait. You want to meet the artist behind that beauty. This is exactly what God did when he made a tree, when he made a waterfall, when he made the planets, when he made everything that you see on this earth. It was, let there be a revelation of me. That's why in Romans, it says one of the ways by which God will judge man is if they have seen nature and still deny there is a God. <laughs> all of creation, all of the tangible, all of the, the, the material declares the majesty and reality of God. Let there be light. And then he made animals that reproduced after their kind. When you see a horse, when you see a bird, it's a let there be light moment. Now, a horse is not God, a tree is not God, but it's his signature that proves there is a God from the invisible dimension. Are you catching what I'm saying? Jesus did this. Jesus operated like this. He only did what he heard and saw the Father doing in the invisible dimension. And let me tell you, when God made man, it says he made man in his image and likeness. You are the ultimate, well, not the ultimate, Jesus is, but we'll get there. But you are a principal revelation of God. Let there be light. You are a revealing of God. And that's why when God restored the kingdom to man, he did it through Jesus Christ. And the word, the invisible word became what? Visible flesh. Jesus is a conversion of his invisible father. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus is a visible manifestation of the invisible God. And the word, that sperma, the DNA of God, became flesh. That sarx, S-A-R-X, meaning crude, tangible substance. And the invisible word became visible flesh and dwelt among us who are in this tangible dimension. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten from the Father. Jesus became the glory of God that we might know the invisible God. That's why Jesus could rightly say, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. <laughs> the Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. Why? He's invisible. No one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, the tangible Son, has made him known. That's why Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. There's light again. I am the revelation of God to the world. And then he took it a step further. And he said, you are the light of the world. You are a revelation of God to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh my goodness. You are the light of the world. 
You are the revelation of God to the world. You are the sermon being preached. Your life is meant to be a manifestation, a conversion of the invisible love of God, the invisible joy of God, the invisible peace of God. If there is anything that comes from the DNA of God, we are to carry it and embody it so that we reveal the invisible God in a tangible world to tangible real people. Hallelujah. Let there be light. The principle I want to share with you today as we're entering into this subject is that really, no matter how much spiritual you have, how much of the spirit you have, if it doesn't have the power to convert to this realm, it's irrelevant in this realm. We do a lot of spiritual things, don't we? And I find it amazing that all throughout Scripture, we see God addressing spiritual. We see God addressing religion. Pure and undefiled religion is this. And, and, and if you, is this the acceptable fast that I choose, he says? Is this the spiritual that I choose? Good for you, you're waving your flags. Good for you, you've got your sackcloth and your worship team and your church service. And good for you, you're, you're praying and doing all these spiritual things. But the real spiritual that I choose, God said, is that you loose the bonds of the oppressed. You clothe the naked. You, you look after the fatherless and the orphan and the widow. God was always trying to make his invisible personality visible through acts of love and kindness. Are you catching what I'm saying today? <laughs> Let's take kindness for an example. You could say to me, Pastor Derek, if there's one thing I am, it's kind. I'm a kind person. Well, how do we know that? Can I see it in your eyes? Can I tell by your clothing? Is it the words that you use that prove that you're a kind person? No. Only heaven knows. Only that dimension knows if there's kindness in your spirit. But in this world, the only way we know whether you're kindness, because kindness is an, it's an invisible, isn't it? can't see it. You can't hold it. The only way we know if you're kind is if you can convert your invisible kindness to tangible acts of kindness. A hot meal for a homeless person. A helping hand to somebody. An encouraging word at your workplace to someone. You have to convert kindness into tangible acts in this dimension. Otherwise, we don't know whether you're really a kind person or not. <laughs> Have you ever heard the scripture, these three abide, faith, hope, and love? Faith, hope, and love. Did you notice that those are all invisibles? You can say, I have a great faith. I have the faith of Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> How do we know? You could say, I have the faith to move mountains. How does any of us know? Only heaven knows what the real measure of your faith is. That's why the scripture says, in this dimension, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is irrelevant in this dimension. Faith must be converted to works. That's why Jesus, it wasn't enough for Jesus to say, Peter, good for you that you told me you have faith. No, Jesus said, get out of the boat and prove your faith. In this dimension, faith must be proven. Faith, hope, let's take love. 
for example, in the time that we have love, you could say, oh, I love the Lord. <laughs> it's the definition of hypocrisy. I love God and I love people. <laughs> this church loves God and loves people. Are you sure? <laughs> I know it says it on your brochure. I know it says it on your website. How do we know you really love God and love people? Even the Bible says, <laughs> you, you say you, you confess to love the one you can't see, but you don't love the one you can see. <laughs> this is the problem the world has with us. We're preaching about love. We're singing about love, but they're not getting much conversion. They're getting a bad conversion rate. Love must be converted to acts of labor and acts of service in a community. This is how marriage works. I've got my wife in the studio today. Honey, imagine if I said, if, I, if you were feeling unloved and I said to you, honey, you know I love you. I told you when we got married. Would that be enough for a woman? Just words <laughs> to say, I love you. Are, are you sure? We say a lot of things from the stage, don't we? But... If she comes home one day and she sees me washing the dishes, I've cleaned the house, I took the trash out, I don't even have to say it with my words. She knows that she's loved by my actions. Love is an invisible. It has to be converted to actions. You must take it from that dimension and pull it into this dimension. I want to close this kind of part one of what we're talking about today by telling you about my time in Toronto going to a sporting event. And I was walking by some homeless people and there was a homeless man and he asked me for some money. Notice he's asking for a tangible substance to live in this tangible world. And I said, I didn't have it, which was true. I just had my visa card, my debit card. And, and I said, but can I pray for you? <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm the real spiritual pastor. I'm just going to pray for him. And I said, what can I pray for you for? And he said, well, Christmas is coming. I live in this box. He really did live in a box. He said, pray for me that I could have a candle. A Christmas candle would mean so much to me. Now, me, me being the, uh, the man of God, <laughs> I begin to pray that somehow this candle will be granted to him. And I walk away and he's not really moved. He just continues to beg. He's hardly had an encounter with God. And I walk away feeling like I've done my religious duty. I did something in the invisible. Nobody knows whether it'll come to pass or not. And as I go to, into a corner store near the stadium, I go to buy some gum or some candy for the event. And lo and behold, only God could have set this up. Behind the counter are all these beautiful Christmas candles. So the light bulb goes on for me. And I purchase a candle. I purchase a lighter to go with it. And I walk all the way back to this homeless man. And as he saw me coming with the candle in hand, he jumped to his feet. He didn't jump to his feet when I prayed for him, as good as prayer is, as important as prayer is. But when he saw me coming with the tangible product, he jumped to his feet. And I'll never forget his words. He said, you really are a Christian. <laughs> How was God's love revealed to him? Was it in the fact that I 
prayed for him. Sometimes people feel love that way, but it was more so seen in the tangible product that I handed to him, and it got him up on his feet. Then when I went to pray with him, he got filled with the Spirit right there in the street. The practical, tangible conversion of God's love for him, it was the candle that proved that God loved him, not the prayer. I love what Jesus did when he said to someone, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> and the Pharisees said, oh, come on. Anybody can just go around saying your sins are forgiven. It's a, it's a spiritual. We don't know if it's actually true or not. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, I'll ask you this. What's easier to do? To forgive this guy's sins or say, take up your mat and walk. Do a practical, tangible miracle. And he said, so that you will know that what I'm doing in the spiritual is real, that I can forgive sins. And he, take up your bed and walk. And the man got up. The tangible, practical legs began to function in this dimension. And it proved that he was doing that in the spirit realm. We as believers are converters of the invisible nature, personality, and function of God in this tangible earth. We are those who God depends upon as heaven's resource to display him, to make him known, to give a word of encouragement in season, to, 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 to do helps and ministry and mercy for those who are in need. This is the way the glory of God can be revealed and we can take that which is almost non-existent in this realm and we can pull it from heaven and bring it to earth. We can take something from nothing. We can establish something in the earth from nothing. And God's invisible glory is seen by the actions and the revelation of God's people. Thank you for joining us today on History Makers TV. I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue our journey on the subject of how to create something from nothing. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.